Welcome to Happy Today podcast. This is a podcast for those who want to improve service experience of internal services. If you use ServiceNow or other enterprise service management system, then this is for you. In this episode, the CIO will be as responsible for the cultural change in the organization and the employee experience as the CHRO because technology will drive that experience. Hey, welcome to this episode of Happy Today podcast. Uh, I'm Pasi Nikkanen, Chief Growth Officer here at Happy Signals. Joining with me today is Sami Kallio, our CEO, and then a special guest, uh, Karen Ferris from Melbourne, Australia. Uh, Karen is an organizational change and service management rebel with a course, acclaimed international as an author and speaker, and Karen provides both strategic and practical advice and insight to her audiences. And today we invited Karen to chat about the blog series uh, called Change Management Strategy for IT. Welcome, Karen. Uh, happy to have you here. I'm very happy to be here too. Thank you. Cool. So, uh, and uh, part of the, the whole series is uh, kind of something that the COVID-19 showed us that, that CIOs and their, their teams, they will need change management strategy to embrace this can-do attitude and agile approach that that was actually now uh, experienced maybe in, uh, in a totally different way than uh, ever before. So how do you see it? Like uh, how, how should this change uh, IT's attitude and, and their, their culture? Yeah, I think it's um, it's a cliche to say the time is now. I think it really is. And um, the focus, the spotlight is now on the CIO and IT and COVID you know, 19 showed us that what what could can be done. We've been talking about digital transformation for like, you know, knocking it around for years and years. And it's always been, oh, you know, we'll there's been inertia, I guess. And then overnight we had everyone working remotely and we just did it. And I talk about IT as being one of the first responders. We often talk about the medical profession, um, but IT was one of the first responders. They had uh, their prime responsibility was looking after the safety of the employees of the organization and getting them working remotely and as safely as they they, they could do it and they made it happen overnight um, so and even just the whole thing about remote working we've been talking about all oh, policies and oh and s and everything else and it was that just happened and i think the other thing as well that, that um worked really well was the fact that and as a as a change consultant you know, people talk about people resisting change. And I've always said people don't resist change when they understand the real reason for change. And we didn't get people resisting working remotely, even though they had to maybe work out of their laundry or at the end of the bed or whatever it was they had to, and the kids running around and everything else. But they did it because they understood the imperative. And that was the IT conversation is we're going to give you as best we can initially to get you working from home and then we'll do whatever needs to make your experience as best it can be um, and people embraced it and just did it because they knew it was a matter of life and death really um, that they had to you know protect themselves and their families and work from home so um, the change management strategy is sort of now looking at well where does IT go from here um, the spotlight is on um, and I think there's a lot of stuff that can be learned um from this crisis 
and I really hate the term the new normal. And please, like, let's not go back to a normal. Let's look at what we've learned. We've learned a lot from this crisis. Let's embrace that learning. Let's reflect on that and create, you know, a better future as a result of it. Yep. So, yeah, I really, really agree with you <laughs> with all of that. So it has been kind of a. Also, we have been able to see that from from the data that we gathered that now. IT in this crisis is making end users happier than it, it was making them before the crisis. And, and I really have to say thanks to all the leaders and all the all customers that that was not an easy job to do and, and mm. really agree that there is something to learn. But if you think about the time before this, that we were forced to do the change. What, from your perspective, are the biggest kind of cultural differences, cultural difficulties that, that the CIOs were facing? Yeah, it's a good question, Sammy. I, I think, you know, IT has always been in the in in the shadows. It's been seen as a not everywhere, but generally, I'm generalizing um, as a as a back office sort of function, keeping the business going, even though we've been talking about, you know, digital transformation, we're looking at AI, we're looking at robotics, we're looking at edge computing, we're looking at cloud, we're, all these, all this stuff is all IT. It's all sitting in the lap of the CIO. And yet the CIO and IT haven't really had a seat at the table. Um, I think, and I think that's, it's been hard for the CIO to um, get that seat. I think now that we've had this um, crisis, and I said before, the spotlight's on the CIO, I think the CEO and the rest of the C-suite are now looking at the CIO and saying, well, what's next? You know, they've, they've demonstrated what can be done, um, that they can transform the organisation more or less overnight. And um, I read somewhere, I, I wish I'd said it, but I didn't, that, you know, the CIO has been trying to get a seat at the table for a long time. But now the CEO, CEO is pulling the chair out and saying, sit down, um, which I think is a you know, great analogy. Um, and I, I think it is. I think there's a realisation that the transformation of the organisation is in the lap of the CIO and, and his or her teams. And I think that's a big cultural shift. And I think because of that, there's a fundamental shift that the CIO is going to have to, to make. And um, in, in the series uh, of the blogs that I'm writing, the, there's one that's talking about the CIO and the CHRO being a partnership. And I think it's Gartner said that the CIO will be as responsible for the cultural change in the organisation and the employee experience as the CHRO because technology will drive that experience. And it's gonna be absolutely critical to IT and the CIO to, to know what that experience needs to be, which is why is that partnership with HR to say, well, what do we need to provide our employees to um, provide a better experience? Um, and, you know, where's the data coming from, which is, you know, in the lap of your guide, you, you know, what, what you do at Happy Signals is, you know, how do we know if we're doing the right things? How do we know if we're increasing the experience? And I think even more so, I think the CIO's got to have, or IT, and it's not exclusive to the CIO, but, you know, those communication skills, the skills that we call the soft skills, that I call the hard skills, um, the communication, the listening, 
you know, what do people really need? Are we really listening? Are we just making assumptions? And I think, you know, IT has got to come out of the basement and get out there and talk to the employees and talk to customers and talk to consumers, talk to constituents and find out what they want, what they need, what their experiences are. It doesn't mean we have to deliver all of that, but we need to be having that conversation. Um, and I think that's a big culture change for a lot of IT departments in organizations. Um, I think the, the technology companies have been doing it, but I think the IT departments and organizations have, have not been up and out there talking to the business. Yeah, yeah. that's good. And I think what yeah, I also saw this one article about uh, that CIOs actually can, can teach a lot to the CHROs uh, about data because, uh, and it's something that actually the, the HR managers should understand that, that they can get that support from the IT guys. Like, how do we get into data driven mode? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think it's, the so days it's kind of, of both ways. Yeah, absolutely. It's a true partnership. And I think, you know, the days of, um, you know, the employee engagement survey once a year, um, you know, have gone. I mean, yeah. nobody ever, people filled, maybe filled them in, but then what? Never heard anything, you know, nothing changed. And so less people filled it in the next time. And, you know, it's got to be a continual conversation. However, that conversation's carried out, it doesn't have to be, you know, a face-to-face -face verbal conversation, but enabling that two-way exchange and conversation to take place is absolutely critical. Yeah, I think what has happened now during COVID is that before this, HR was really responsible for employee experience and engagement, and it was kind of seen that what is in the office, do we have enough Coca-Cola for everybody and all that would happen at the office. That was in a very, very core of what you do to make people happy to work with you and when that is taken away it moves your workplace when you are at your laptop then it mm. comes that it really the experience of the whole enterprise start to be employee engagement and, and where i work is the it is in everything what i do with what related mm. to my work and in that sense i really agree that cio is now more and more responsible of the employee engagement or employee mm. experiences as a whole. And and that's yeah, kind of I wouldn't want to be HR director now. It's quite, quite <laughs> hard. You are taking yeah. care of people's yeah. health, maybe. Okay, the very, very important area what they have to now do as well. But absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> you are right. <clears throat> you're right, Sammy. It's like the where's the data? What's informing us that we're doing the right things? Um, and I think the big challenge that you know all, all organizations have now is that, you know, there's a recognition that work is what we do, not a place we go. And um, it's, it's not a location, it's just what we do, wherever we do it. And there's been a lot of benefits from people, you know, COVID has, has um, yeah, had devastating impacts, but it's also shown us that people, a lot of people do like the flexibility, they're more productive working at home, they lay out their own hours they can rearrange it around the children or whatever the the commitments they have they they've got the commute time back they've got more time on the hands etc etc and um the organizations generally i think and i hope are saying when we go back to whatever that we go back to a hybrid situation where people can work from home if they want to and they come in the office if they need to um, and they have that choice the challenge is how do we maintain then that engagement when we have that mix of people 
physically in an office and people working remotely because it's a very different um um very different situation of, than, than we've ever had you know we have managers i won't call them leaders managers who um feel they have control of their teams or they they have management of the teams when they can see them you know they're sitting in front of the laptop they're there at nine and they leave at five now they have no visibility and we're reading you know i'm reading um lots of scary stuff at the moment that some organizations are doing to you know monitor keystrokes and time in the in front of the laptop and um they can actually see what's on the employee screen and, and it's just like because that's the only way they feel they've got control and that is a really scary um effect that this pandemic has had yeah and i think the way we talk about cultural change in, in happy signals is that actually um for the it department uh it's they're usually like full of smart people uh, you need to now give them a, a more like a like an outcome goal, like a focus of what you need to do, and uh, and making the employees happy and productive. It's a it's an excellent kind of goal for an IT team now. It's not anymore that just keep the system up and running. Uh, it's more like hey, we're actually doing this for the for the people working for the organization. So so I think yeah yeah. That, that, I mean that's every kind organization is now a technology organization, isn't it? You know yeah. every company is a technology company regardless of what you you do. And again, you know, IT is at the at the at the forefront of that. And um, yeah, I think there's that you know, IT has been looked at now to not just keep the lights on, not just to keep the systems running, but actually give the organisation that competitive advantage. And you know, whatever, whether it's process or technology, you know, it's people first. People have to be, you know, first and forefront. And if you have, as you guys know, engaged employees, you have increased productivity, motivation, inspiration. And at the end of the day, it affects the bottom line because there's more profitability as a result. Yeah, that is exactly what we believe in, that if people know better what, what, is, what is their target, what they are aiming for, that just gives the motivation which changes everything. So, and that's mm. in IT has been, from my perspective, a kind of a lost Power or something, because if you are if your task is closing tickets or keeping servers running, it just isn't motivating. But if no, you I just mean, yeah, yeah, it's it's that sense of purpose, isn't it? And 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 we've we've lost that uh, in many organisations, and we've talked about it for, for for a long, long time about you know cascading the the objectives or the strategy, the goals of the organisation down. So that everybody can actually relate what they do to the overall outcome that the organization is trying to achieve and it's never really worked it's never you know so i'm i'm you know closing tickets in a call center on the service desk how does that relate to what the organization is trying to achieve and if i can't make that connection i have no sense of purpose what's motivating me to 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 do things better um i think it's absolutely imperative that we have those conversations with people and that we have leaders in the organization that can make those links so they yeah. all know how we're contributing to what the organization is trying to achieve. Yeah. I think Forrester is using the term purpose workers, which I love it. It, it has kind of a yeah. very, very good, good, easy point in that. Yeah. I like that. Purpose You're talking workers. also about uh, kind of the resilience of, of the workforce. Uh, mm. Anything you want to kind of open up a little bit? 
that's yeah, I think um, you know there's it's it's interesting. I I sort of do a um, an ag aggregative uh, articles, you know, social media about leadership, about resilience, about CIO, whatever, and the list for leadership is always a big one. You know, it's a generic word. The list for resilience would come out about you know half a page of articles, and now it's like three pages. It's the biggest buzzword, and it's just to me lost its meaning. I've been talking about it for a number of years now about how we need to um, increase the resilience of our workforce in the face of constant change, disruptive change, um, unprecedented change, as we've just seen. Um, and this pandemic won't be the last thing that hits us. It could be another financial crisis. It'll be something around the corner that we're not seeing coming um, that we need to be ready for. And we need a workforce that has the mindset that this is our norm now that constant change and continually shifting and changing direction um, is the way we go. And we can't expect, or we're not gonna have, you know, three months, six months, nine month plans set in stone that we all work towards. Because, I mean, we might have the, you know, intent, but the chances are the competition or consumer demand, customer demand, something will change. That means we have to change direction and we have to adapt. And we need to work with the, every employee in the organization to get that mindset that this is our norm, but also give them the resources to enable that resilience. At the moment, most of the resilience programs we're seeing in organizations, and there's nothing particularly wrong, I'm not knocking them, but they don't provide people with the resources to be more resilient given, given the context they find themselves in. So for example, if I'm faced with a negative, what I perceive as a negative situation, I probably need to look at reframing that. If I'm faced with a, uh, a change um, or multiple changes, maybe I need to look at how I can adapt and shift to embrace those changes. I could have a lack of self-confidence. So how do I increase my self-belief? So there's lots of things that I work with organizations to say, well, what's the context you find yourself in? So what do you need to do to build that resilience? A lot of the programs we have, you know, they give you an app that, you know, give you a little woohoo at the beginning of the day or um, help you do self-reflection and meditation. And that's all good. There's a place for that. But if I'm suddenly faced with a, a negative or a challenge that I just have no idea how I'm going to overcome it or attack it, meditation might not be the right solution to that. <laughs> it might be that I need to look at collaboration and problem solving and lots of other resources I can pull on to be more resilient. I think that is the moment when you need real innovations that you're resolving a problem with, yes. with innovation workforce. Yeah. Absolutely. If we don't have innovation in the workforce, the work the, the organization is going to die a slow death. Yeah. Because there's someone that else, is that, someone else true. is ready to do it. Someone else is ready to do it. And I talk to organizations, even you know, in, in Australia, the government organizations, it's often, and I don't think it's unique to Australia, often um you have a part of the workforce that, you know, we work for government, jobs for life, you know, and I'm like, no, <laughs> you know, there's part of what you do that someone else could come along and say, you know, we can do that faster, better, quicker, cheaper, 
why wouldn't that get outsourced to those people? That's your job. So it's not jobs for life. There's always going to be competition. It might not be that they take over the taxation office or they take over the whatever it might be as a government agency, but they can chip at it and take bits of it away until, yeah, it's all dispersed. Uh, any last words, any last questions? Uh, uh, it has been really great to discuss you. I think we could continue this for half an hour, at least more or two hours on, on kind of <laughs> yes. it, it just started. But it's when discussing something about the culture and that kind of stuff, it is really yeah, motivating for me because I, I as, as Pasi said, that is the beginning. That is one of the areas where where I need, uh, where I feel that there is a big change needed, and, and IT is not in many companies really driven by right targets, and and I think that is the one thing that really, if CEOs are able to change their own organization from the perspective of this is why we are here, this is what we work for, and this is, then there is smart people doing better planning than one CIO can ever do. And and that kind of a, just generating a first work that on their own level, they work with the customers or their own employees or real customers. It doesn't matter, but if they have the right mindset, it starts to work totally differently. And, Absolutely. and when you are not at the office now, you have to have that mindset with everybody because they will anyway be in those connections on their own. One thing I want to share to you that I was thinking earlier, uh, we are measuring that remote working. And in that, we are asking if people are happy for it or unhappy. So the people who are happy with it, there is 45,000 people saying that they feel that it's efficient. Only 3,000 that are saying it's inefficient. Mm. So I think that really underlines that I hope nobody's thinking that they are just going back to normal and forcing these people back to office because that would be a harder thing to do. Because now what you said that everybody was motivated, understood the reason for remote working. They are mm. not going to understand why we are going back to the old way. And and that is one thing that everybody has to, at least I believe that is something CIOs and IT has to realize that, hey, Absolutely. we don't have to I go back. I, I totally agree. And I do hear, you know, some organizations saying, yes, we'll all be back in the office by whenever. And I'm like, no, please give people the choice, you know, so. But I guess there's like yeah. good news. Wasn't it Microsoft that announced that, you know, after this thing is over, you know, they are, they allow people to work wherever they want from. So, so I think kind of those big players showing the way uh, will most likely help, help it happen. All right. But yeah. then, hey, if if people want to learn more, read more, uh, what is current the, the best place to to kind of uh, you know get in touch with you or, or find your material? Yeah, they can hop on over to karenferris.com. There's no dot between Karen and Ferris, just karenferris.com. Perfect, perfect. Uh, we'll add that also the link link for the, all the listeners. Hey, thank you so much. And uh, I think I think it's time for us to here to to hit the sack and go to sleep. And I think you, <laughs> it's time for you to start your day. Uh, exactly. So, as we say in in, in the podcast, uh, stay happy and uh, stay safe. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.